This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show is about dealing with the loss of rescue dogs, particularly if you're in a role of a foster parent, rescue organization, or anyone who's taking care of a rescue dog while they're not adopted yet. And I know this is a difficult situation for the persons, but it does happen, and I wanted to discuss it from that angle. Um, Today's guest, is a internationally renowned animal communicator, Sheila Tricarton, who has helped so many people deal with pet loss. Um, she's able to tune in to a deeper level that can provide some answers. So when we get back from these messages, Sheila will be joining us. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with the founder of Ultimate Healing Concepts and renowned animal communicator, Sheila Tricarton. Thank you for coming on today. This is a pretty intense topic, um, but you've facilitated so much for so many people, and I wanted to get this out there, despite it not being completely mainstream information yet. Now, you're an expert in the holistic field from energy work, intuitive life coaching, animal communications, and you personally taught me a lot about animal communications through your workshop. So for those handling rescue dogs while they hope to be adopted, unfortunately, sometimes those dogs pass before they ever do get adopted. Um, And I know this can be hard for the volunteers or even professionals that have to do the euthanizing. So what insight can you share for the people that deal with these situations And I'm sure there's a lot of emotions, like feeling sorry for the dog, wishing they could have done more to help them, guilt, grief. Yeah. (laughs) What's your insight on on that? Absolutely. Well, thanks very much, Beverly, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And I do appreciate and honor your openness with this topic and with the concept of animal communication and how it can assist, which is just wonderful that, you know, that society is opening to this concept even more and more every day. And we are being able to help the animals in it from a different perspective when we can understand what their perception is and we can understand how they feel and how they think. It makes our jobs a lot easier as animal caregivers to be able to understand what they require and then to satisfy that 
one of the things I find when I'm dealing with clients is that, you're right, that guilt that comes along with it. And mm-hmm. having to make the decision to assist an animal to cross over, I mean, you're deciding for someone else whether they should stay or go. And this can be really overwhelming for the caregiver. And sometimes it can come at the cost of the dog either way. Right. So sometimes the animal is ready to go and we don't realize it, or sometimes they aren't ready to go and we don't realize it. So, And we're always second-guessing whether we've made the right choice or not. That's why I love being able to communicate with the animals and then hearing from them directly whether they feel it's their time to go. Yeah. Of course, it is. it does come from their perception, though, so we have to keep that in mind. It's sometimes just like people, you know, they have a strong sense of will and determination, and sometimes the body gives out, but the mind's still saying, I can still go, I can still do it, and it just can't. So, you know, it's good to keep that in mind, that when we communicate with the animals in this way, it is their perception or their viewpoint on things, just like it would be as if you're talking to a person. For sure, for right. sure. Oh, my gosh. You you did ask, you know, what kind of insight I could give to a caregiver who is especially looking after an animal that is in a shelter or Mm. they're fostering. I would say that it's always good to trust your instincts. And one of the things I learned from the animals quite some time ago is that they don't enjoy being pitied or they don't like the concept of pity. Oh. Pity is a weakness. And what it happens when we pity them is it actually lessens their energy or lowers their energetic vibe. Wow. And, you know, because that is a negative energy where if we send them love, that strengthens them. So a very simple tip would be just give them as much love as you can without having any connotation of any negative emotion attached to it, whether that be pity or sadness or even try to contain your grief, knowing that that's coming. And it's hard for us to do because society dictates that we should hold those emotions. Right, exactly. Yeah, and we want to strengthen them as long as we can, of course, you know, help them to the best that we can. And whenever we're unsure, it's interesting just kind of to an extended point, is whenever you see an animal that's suffering, and you're not capable of physically helping yourself, then all you need to do is send love, and that will help them. It's it's the best thing to do when we don't know what to do. So ah. that would be, I think, my first thing that I would do is suggest just send love. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. And you did bring up a good point because it is gut-wrenching to make that decision. Oh, geez. Like, how do you how would we even begin to start that process of deciding? I know the the intuition is uber important, but it's so hard at those moments. Yeah, well, because your emotion clouds your clarity of the situation. And even when it's evident and, you know, your vet is telling you, yes, it's time for them to go and just let them be. They're going to be more peaceful when they cross. Even after knowing that you've made that decision from even a professional's perspective, there's still so much guilt that can be felt. And people suffer for years later wondering if they've made the right choice or if they helped them in the right way. And in this way, the animal communication can certainly help that. I would say that basically nothing ever happens without reason. So if you've been brought to that space and the animal has transferred at the hands of your assistance, then it's good just to honor that rather than to even question yourself or have any negative self-beliefs because at the same time, their spirit would be honored by 
your concepts or your belief in what you did. And of course, the animals never want us to hurt. They're always looking for us to be happy and to accept things. And when we're not, they're not okay. It's They're always a reflection or a mirror of us. And we can see that in not only their physical characteristics, like often I see if there is someone that is around an animal for a long time and they have like a thyroid condition, then the animal will tend to pick up the energy of that. But they can also, other than the physical, they can also pick up the emotional aspects. So mm. keeping that in mind, you kind of set the stage for them. For sure, for sure. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a <laughs> that'll be a tough, tough go for people that are really attached to the animal. <sighs> what can you do? Now, mm. for the <laughs> for the rescue dogs that are in in forever foster homes, due to either terminal illness or or a behavior that doesn't allow them to be adopted out, what are their main messages to their handlers? I'm sure there's a lot of questions. I wish I knew this. What is he thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just trying to think about different scenarios where I've actually addressed that. And, you know, thank goodness there's so many caring, heart-loving people out there who open their homes and give their time to help to assist in fostering and rescuing animals. The, yes. the world is becoming a better place because there are more and more people doing that. So big shout-out to them for sure. But Absolutely. <laughs> I think that a perception of a rescue animal is unique to that animal, just like we have unique situations that happen to us and we have unique personalities. So one rescue animal that can handle, you know, the, say, the abandonment from their original owner or can handle the fact that they've been living on the streets for quite some time and just forging for themselves there is equally the aspect of other animals in the same scenario who can't handle it. And some are much more, they have, to have much more endurance where others have less endurance. So mm -hmm. their perceptions will be different. And thinking about a rescue animal that was in a situation where they were abandoned in a different country and they were forging for food and then they were brought in by some lovely people who found them on the street and took them in. I'm thinking specifically of an animal that I've dealt with. I can tell you that their perception was fear initially because they didn't understand. You know, we come from a space of this is safe, everything's great, and I'm going to give you everything that you wanted. Right, you've exactly. Wanted, but that's our perception of what they want. And in actuality, I had a foster mom come to me and say, you know, this, this dog is terrified and I'm giving him all the leeway I can, and he's still panicking more and more and more. And we come to talk to the animal and realizing that in this particular case, this animal felt overwhelmed by the amount of freedom it had in a scenario where it wasn't comfortable. So being in a house, which they'd never been in before, and having too many, um, having to make judgments and decisions for themselves in a situation where they weren't comfortable became overwhelming. So in this case, we just started to make some rules and then we started to make the space that the animal was in smaller. And so we just shrunk the space, let them get more comfortable and then slowly expanded the space. The other thing that we did, which I teach people often is I taught the lady who was the handler, the caregiver, how to hold the space, meaning that she became the protector of the dog owning the energy. 
And when you own the energy of the space, that dog no longer has to feel threatened and it no longer has to be in a protective mode. So here, this cute little guy was overwhelmed by the amount of space it had, confused about what was the right and wrong thing to do. There was no direction. There was no real rules. And then feeling insecure because there were strange noises and strange situations, strange smells. And the woman was thinking she was doing a great job in kind of being really easygoing and nonchalant. But in that case, there was no alpha in the situation. The dog had to kind of become the alpha. And in a terror space, it was overwhelming for the dog. So we shifted her to an alpha holding okay. the space. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, once she held the space and then she started to explain, here's the things that I want you to do and here's the things that we don't really care for you to do in the house, then the animal started to kind of awaken into the being that it actually was. There was a lot of more sense of security and comfort. It's like, tell me the rules. And because they seriously, they don't really want to disappoint us. They want to please. And so once it understood what she was looking for and we made this the zone safer, that animal started to lose the fear. But we had to graduate it because... Again, the biggest thing I could say is when we're rescuing an animal, we're coming from the space of where we stand and forgetting about looking from their perspective. And those are two entirely different things. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. So the thought that comes to mind is, wouldn't it just be awesome if all fosters just knew what stance to take with who they're taking care of at that moment? But I guess there is no system in place for that. But that would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to create that for sure. Like a training session where we we work with them, like there's a bridge that helps them to understand. But you know what? When it comes down to it, I mean, those are just pointers and giving you examples. But when it comes down to it, helping the animal uh, in any way, our intention being good is beneficial than having no help. You know, it's, right, right. We're, we're going to not know how to do everything. We're going to make mistakes and errors, but all we can do is do our best. And back, back comes that concept of, in the end, when you don't know what to do, just give them love. Yeah, fall back. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love yeah. that. <laughs> well, we're just going to have a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking about the truth behind losing your beloved canine. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Sheila Chakarton, an expert in animal communications. Now, what advice can you give to help? volunteers and professionals dealing with a rescue dog that is about to cross over 
your advice as well as messages from the dogs. My kind of advice for that in those situations, because it's a really tough situation to be I in. I know. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, and so the thing I would suggest is always check the self and try to stand more in observation than absorbing the situation. So being less emotional and more observatory in these cases and recognizing that even though people may not know how to do animal communication themselves mm-hmm. in a in an actual practical or professional way, animal communication starts with thoughts in the mind. And the animals, even though we can't always talk to them, they hear us all the time and they feel us. So when you talk out loud, they get it. They see and they feel the images in your mind and they understand your emotion. So the more focused and the more clear you can be about describing to the animal what is about to happen, what they can expect, the easier the transition becomes for them. Because it's the unknown that we all fear the most. And we can, if we can take the unknown away, we've cut away a lot of that stress, that unnecessary stress. And again, all they have to do is imagine in their mind and speak to the animals, tell them exactly what is coming, what they can expect, and this will prepare them. It's always good to bring into the situation an understanding yourself of what's coming so that you can relay it to them. It takes the fear off of them and takes the edge off. I mean, it's always good to put yourself in that position of what could they be feeling and how can I help them based on what I would like in that situation. Would I want to know what's going on? Would I want right. details? Would I want to be comforted? And we have to be careful that we, we don't allow our own emotions to intrude on their transition experience. Oh, that, that would be like, <laughs> that's the hardest thing to do is that's to really not tough, grieve yeah. when you really want to grieve. Yeah, that would be tough. Well, it's not about not grieving, but it's more about keeping that emotion in check to the point where you're not allowing it to blind you from what the animal needs. So basically, and this happens naturally with a lot of caregivers, whether they're helping animals or humans, that we shelf our own needs in those moments. And then those emotions flood in later on. Right. It's kind of a coping mechanism that we have. So I'm not telling people not to feel, but I'm telling them be mindful, like try to be in a space where you're allowing that emotion to come through, but not to control you or intrude or cloud you in seeing what the animal truly needs in those moments. Mm-hmm. And the animals are so much more accepting of death than we are. We Do they know? Like, I've heard that they know when it's coming Absolutely. Like they're, they're usually, and, and I'm not going to say that 100% of the time they know or 100% of the animals know, but because they can read your mind and they read your energy, they're kind of, they're, they're sitting in a space of awareness to a degree that this is coming. And they know for themselves often that, that it is coming. There, there's an example that there was a lady who contacted me from a local humane society that is a non-kill shelter. And this woman has her and her husband have taken one of the senior dogs from the shelter home yes. to help him yes. to transition and, or, or sorry, her to transition. And So there is a timeline for that situation? Like this dog, they know this dog is going to cross over within a certain amount of time 
Well, the, the thing is, well, they know what's physically wrong with the dog. In this case, the dog is riddled with tumors, and oh. so cancer is prevalent, and it's only a matter of time, and they can see the physical aspects where the dog has lab- labored breathing, right. and so they know that it's coming. So they've removed the dog from the shelter, brought it to their own home, and uh, how beautiful is that, to uh, allow this wonderful girl, her name is Tink, to, to be able to transfer. And I have their permission to talk about this, so Perfect. Um, I'm using names. Um, yep. And she asked me to speak to Tink and say, you know what, where are you at? How are you feeling? Because again, now this beautiful lady, Rhonda, is faced with the same decisions as any other foster mom or volunteer would be. How do I know when it's the right time? We don't want them to suffer too much. Uh, We don't want to take them before their time because maybe they could have some, a few more days even is very rewarding in our lives. Like we don't want to take them sooner or we don't want to take them too late because there can be uh, uncomfortable ramifications in both situations. So... In this case, Tink is is suffering a lot of times. And it's interesting that I received this morning and I received another contact from another client who the animal has been sick for some time. They rescued this animal, uh, but have only had him a very short time, about a year and a half. And she's looking to go, okay, he seems to be ready to cross, but how do I really know? And how do we deal with that? So in this case, I just reiterated what she already knew when I was speaking to the dog for her and basically translating the information that he had. She was like, I already know that, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing it clear or I I wasn't trusting myself. I guess trust of the self is so huge. And that's one thing that we can look at is don't doubt the self. If you have an instinct, then follow it. And I always find that it's not as much before the situation, but after the transition, that people have the battle of, of how to handle it for themselves. You know, they're, they're pretty capable of walking through it, but, but then afterwards, they have to deal with that loss, and they have to work through that grief. No matter, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've known the animal, because it is a life, and there always is a connection on a heart level when we're dealing with life. Yes. That I completely agree with. Wow. So these situations that are these, the one you were mentioning just now, that one is not recent, but the lady from your local humane society, she wanted questions. This is recent, right? Yeah, they're both recent, actually. Oh, um, the one I just spoke of, she just texted me a few hours ago. And oh, it's wow. an animal that I have communicated with before, a dog that I communicated with probably about six months ago, and he he did say that he was aware that he wouldn't last through the year and that when the time comes, oh, he would really appreciate her acting rather quickly so that he didn't have to suffer. And if she wouldn't mind sacrificing that for him, he wow. would be eternally grateful. And that's his perception, right? So mm-hmm. I, I volunteered, well, when you feel that you're close, then send me a text and I will communicate with him for you. And it just is, you know, coincidence, not coincidence, that that just happened a couple hours ago. Jeez. And when I spoke with him, he said, I am so ready to go. Whenever she's ready, I'm good. And her response was, oh, my gosh, is he suffering terribly? And, and it wasn't that he's suffering. You know, physically, there was some discomfort in his abdomen, but not that he was feeling debilitated by that. The more what I got from him was, I feel like now is the right time, and I'm welcoming it because I feel so peaceful in this moment. 
to accept the concept of needing to transition. He's more in a space of, you know what, I know it's my time to go, and I'm going to embrace it. Because like I was saying, they they view death way different than we do. They recognize Mm -hmm. that death is not a finalization of anything. It's a transition from one energy to another. Right, right. And we're the ones who have to overcome that in most cases. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, with the other case, with uh, Pink, with Rhonda, that, in that case, I am looking at this situation as a beautiful opportunity because when I'm communicating with Pink, I look at her and I'm like, how do you feel? And she's like, you know what? I am so glad to be in a home. Now, this is, you're doing this live. Like, you're, <laughs> yes. these insights are happening right now. Yeah, yeah. So she she reached out to me. Then we decided, okay, we were going to save this for this interview. And we will talk to her right in the moment. So reaching out to communicate with Pink, the first thing that I'm asking her, because Rhonda, one of Rhonda's questions was, is she happy? And isn't that one of the things that we want to know? Are they happy? Do they feel loved? So Pink's response is that, yes, she feels so overwhelmingly happy, even though she knows she's coming to the end of her life. She feels so happy because she no longer feels abandoned. She feels accepted. And there's someone there honoring her, honoring her being, honoring her as a being, and loving her without expectation. Now, she is definitely in discomfort, and Rhonda's aware of that. But to what degree, Rhonda wasn't sure. Because Rhonda can, you know, Rhonda's the foster mom. She can read the signs of the labored breathing, but animals, they hide so much. If you're starting to see it, it's way deeper than that. So... Again, Hmm. she's looking at it going, I don't want to make her suffer more. I want to help her. And sometimes it's a matter of the animal says, I want to keep going. Can you give me something else for the pain? Can you do this? Can you do that? In this case, Tink is saying that she feels that more pain management because her physical pain at this point is, is quite high. She's probably a 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. And she talked about having discomfort, or she's talking about having discomfort in the lower right side of her mouth, so there's something going on there that's irritating. Um, she also is talking about having sensitivities to texture, smells, sounds, and she tells me that she can't see very well. Her eyes keep getting blurry, so that's going to tell us that there's probably more medical issues creating that as well, not necessarily just her age, but it could be related to the pain. Now, I can only, I'm not a vet, I can only relay what they tell me and describe what the sensations are that they explain physically and emotionally. So we just go by that to the best of our ability. That in keeping in mind, there are a lot of open-minded vets, you know, in our community, in our area, and uh, very honored to have had a lot of them be so open that they're listening to the communication that's being provided by the animals. Wow. And it's amazing, yeah. That is. So, So in this case, yeah, we'll... Looking at Tink, again, she just is saying she's so happy to be accepted, loved, and not to feel abandoned, that it almost feels like that act of kindness that Rhonda and her husband has created in their contribution to Tink and Tink's end of life has made Tink come to a space of total acceptance of passing. It's like, okay, I finally got to where I've always wanted to be. And now I'm ready to go because this is this was my dream or this is where I needed to get to. And now I no longer need to try to strive for that because I have it. So it's a beautiful thing to see. That is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, 
That's a deep message, <laughs> Sheila. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow. She talks about having struggled a lot in the past with not feeling accepted and loved and not feeling like she had a space. You know, she was kind of, uh, Rhonda shared with me that she was picked up as a rescue and then put in another shelter and then transferred to them. So she's been in limbo for quite some time. And to think about that and being stuck in limbo and not really having a home and not really, I mean, she's had affection from volunteers coming in, but there's not consistency. And right. when you get to a right. space where there becomes consistency, then that changes everything. So at this point, she's feels so appreciative. Like I really want, I, I feel like I'm just going to cry from the sense of joy that she has reaching that space of, oh, this is what I've always wanted and it feels exactly the way I thought it would. And, wow. And she says, if she lasts three more days or if she lasts three weeks or three months, it doesn't matter to her because she's felt that. Aww. Yeah. And then I'm asking her now to, like, how long does she feel she has? And she says she doesn't feel like she has long because even though her mind is sharp, her body is not. It's it's really systematically shutting down. So they can only go by what they feel. And oftentimes they will have an understanding of approximately how much time they have, but they don't always know 100%. I mean, really, in this case, she's basically telling me that she feels that she probably won't last longer than about 30 days because it's rapidly changing. Things are moving so quickly and she really doesn't mind being assisted when it is closer to her time, not in this very moment because she's not exactly ready, but she figures, she says, between like a week and a week and a half if they've decided that it's in her best interest and the situation and the timing works out that she's quite open to it then. One of the things, of course, Rhonda wanted to know is what could she give her? What does she feel like she's missing before she crosses over? And she asked for uh, carrots and she's requesting a light blue soft blanket. And she's saying she wants her own blanket one that can be hers when she crosses, so one that she can be wrapped in because wow. she wants to exit with something that was specifically purchased for her. And I don't know if you can relate to or understand the intention behind that. So if they go out and they purchase something that is specifically for her, she's she's not ever had that. So that would also be fulfilling a heart's desire for her and for her to go, this is mine. Like, there is... There is a sense of, that's not an ego I want, that's more of a, that's a reflection of where she's sitting and where how they view her. So that feeling of being accepted again, or that feeling of belonging, that feeling of being valued. I hope that makes sense. Oh yeah, the metaphor. That's awesome. Yeah, wow, Rhonda's going to... Rod is going to be very appreciative of that, of that yeah, specifics. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, she's just talking, too, about uh, that she's sometimes edgy, so she's apologizing. And uh, one of the things that Rhonda mentioned uh, when she sent me the information was that Tink has never really been inside a home, so she, uh, so she believes, because she's having problems and she's going to the bathroom in the house. So I'm asking Tink, like, uh, how can we fix that? And she's just like, well, where else would I go? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> of course, if you don't know any different, uh, you're going to think that that's quite odd to request. Where do you, where am I supposed to go? But she does say that um, she feels that in the house there is wood floor in a smaller room that's off another room, and she is wondering if that could be the bathroom. <laughs> she says pe- people go in the house. Why doesn't she? Why can't she? Oh go? my! She sees them going in the house. So yeah, so it's interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So I'm suggesting to her, if we put, like, pee pads down, could she go in the specific area? And she's like, I will try. I can't always see that well, but I'll try to feel where it is, and I'll try to go there. She wants it private, though, too. She's like, she seems to think that she tends to go off and pee where no one is watching. She's like, um, yeah, more sensitive that way and would like the privacy. Aww. One of the other things that's coming up as I'm speaking with her, something that we often question or we often inquire about was, what do they want done after with their remains? And Oh, um, yes. You know, like if you are volunteering and you don't have control over that, it's not going to be detrimental to the animal. The animal, their soul, their spirit, they're, under, they're very, very understanding and accepting. But if they do have a choice, they can often be very specific about what they would like. And what Pink is asking for is a cremation with her remains being sprinkled in a field, a field of grass, because uh, she wants to uh, have that expression of freedom, that symbolism of freedom again. And she doesn't want anybody to feel like they have to take care of her anymore beyond that, because, again, she feels like she's reached what she wanted. So she's just saying, I don't want Rhonda to feel that now she has to take care of my remains after I passed in and kind of, she doesn't want them like in a urn and carried around. She's like, no, just let me go back to kind of where I came, where my body came from. Mm. Not necessarily the wish of all animals because I've had animals be very specific about what happens to them afterwards. Um, But of course they, again, they are aware that we can only do what we can do and they will respect that. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We can always negotiate with them to animals. You know, we can work with them and explain things to them and let them know what's happening and not feel like we are compelled to follow everything that they're requesting. We always do what we can, do the best that we can, and they'll accept that. They're very accommodating in most cases and very understanding. Oh, I'm just pi- I'm just picturing a conversation where one animal would say, uh, can I have like a fifty thousand dollar tombstone? No, what about thirty? No, twenty five. <laughs> okay, I'll take a rock with my name on it. Perfect, fine, great. You know, uh, no, they're Jeez. they're often well. Sometimes they can they can be a, le- a little bit egotistical because this is depends on their personality. But a lot of times they're just looking to please the owner, and they are already aware of what's going to be accommodating or what's going to please their caregiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the animals in the foster care, because that person hasn't, we'll call it, owned them, doesn't mean that they don't look at them as their caregiver, their permanent heart connection. Even though they're aware that that's not a permanent home, they'll often be resonating with the person on a different level and they will still feel like that's where they're meant to be. For us, we think of it as a 
not secure. But if it's in a home, and even for some dogs who are in a shelter, they're quite accepting of that's where they're meant to be. And, you know, I've actually spoken with some animals in shelters before, and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. I have like 10 different people who come to see me all the time. During the week, I see 10 different people, and I love it. And rather than just having one or two people. And so again, it depends on their personality. Some of them are really just grateful and happy to be in the shelter. Sometimes they don't know any different. And I have a rescue dog myself, and she was kept in a shed with no windows. There was 24 dogs in this shed, and uh, the Humane Society discovered this uh, this puppy mill and uh, pulled the animals, and they were able to rehabilitate all the other dogs except for the one that I have, and they contacted me, and they said, you know, we can't put her in a home because she's just terrified, and she won't let anybody come near her, and we don't know what to do with her, so can you work with her? And when I first went to get her, she was so terrified, she was cowering in the corners, and it was very difficult because she didn't understand what grass was. She didn't understand anything that we would consider to be normal because she lived in a shed. And literally, the gentleman who had these animals would open the door and hose it down. And then he'd open the door and throw in their food. And then he would close the door again. They didn't really have a lot of exposure to light. And it was just incredible. But really, the good news about that is just putting her in a space where she felt safe has created and morphed her personality. And now she just loves people and she cries to be with people and she loves to be out in the grass and rolling in the grass. But it's the the point I wanted to make with that in my long-winded story is that animals like people only know what they know until they know something else. So it's very important not to feel bad or guilty. Simply because they're in a shelter, yeah. Yeah, you know what, because if that's all they've ever known, they don't feel like they're missing out. Now, Tink here has actually had a home before, so she realizes, okay, that's an opportunity to be loved and accepted in the home that she was. She was rather neglected, so she never got what she wanted, but she did know it existed or that the possibility of it could exist, where sometimes other animals in shelters, they're like, this is an awesome life. And even animals on the street, they're like, I'm happy. This is perfect. I have everything that I want. Again, they don't know what they're missing. So it's good to them until they know that there's something more. Right. So good to, you know, remembering that we have the knowledge, but maybe they don't have the understanding. That's good. That is a good reminder. That That's for sure. Yeah. We assume. Now, how do people get a hold of you if they, if they want help with their situation? You do more than just in person, I believe so. Yes, I can see people in person or I can do the work over the phone or I can do it via an email transcript where they would send me the photograph of the animal and that's how I tune into their energy. Perfect. I use the photograph and then I send them a transcript back through email. So there's a couple different ways that they can do it depending on where they are in the world. That's how I have global clients. And they can reach me through my website, which is ultimatehealingconcepts.com. Perfect. All the information is on the site. Yay. And, uh, well, we are out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on today. It was very insightful. And and you connecting with Tinker on the spot. Tell Tinker I say thank you for being a show or being a guest on the show as well. (laughs) Now, let's look at that for a quick second and realize, okay, Tink just had her, like, you know, 30 seconds of fame and she feels great. So she's thanking everybody out there who's going to listen and send her love. Remember, not pity in this situation. Yes. 
Thanks very much, Beverly. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. And thanks to our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. Again, you can check out Sheila's work at ultimatehealingconcepts.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.